What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here on Monday, November 15th. Michael Beller, your host of this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Going to take a look back at what we saw in Week 10. Winners, losers, takeaways. We'll have some waiver talk, so a lot to get to on this episode. Joining me, as always, every single Monday, Brandon Funston. Funston, what is going on, man? You ready to uh, pour it out for the Seahawks? Yeah, I've already I've already taken care of that. That got poured out yesterday afternoon. Yep, Seahawks, man, first shout out in Russell Wilson's uh, career. Um, yeah, I don't know. Bring on twenty twenty two. Bring on twenty twenty two, and maybe a new quarterback <laughs> uh, in twenty twenty two as well. But hey, slow your roll, geez. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just doomsday just over saying there. Jeez, it could, it could definitely be a part of the equation here. Jake Seeley with us as well. Jake, how you doing? How was your Sunday? How'd your Sunday treat you? Uh, it was fine. You know, no Giants to get mad about winning. As you noticed, I said yeah. mad about winning. <laughs> so it was, it was nice to just sit back and watch everything. Got plenty mad about fantasy, though. Another, I thought week nine was the capper. Like, all right, this is the season that, you know, because it's always one week. It's like For we sure. get one of those every single year. And then it's like, well, week 10 looked to trumpet if possible. <laughs> it was <laughs> disgusting. There were some strange things for sure. I don't think it quite got to the level of week nine, but it uh, approached Go it. look at the wide receiver ones for the week. CD <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lamb was one of them. Right? And go look at the Justin, other 10. Justin uh, Jefferson, was, uh, I'm guessing, was probably in that mix with his 150-yard game or whatever Jen. he had. He had 150 yards, yeah. right, in like nine I catches. I know. Ray, Ray, Kendrick Bourne was fourth, <laughs> and then Brian Edwards, seven. Renfro, Agnew, DeAndre Carter is 11. Jacoby Myers finally got his touchdown. Finally got shut his the touchdown. Hell up now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. So, all right. So, yeah. So, wide rec- Pringle. so, it was a little strange at the wide receiver position, but I think still less strange <laughs> overall than what we saw in week nine. Jake was one of those guys, one of those wide receivers out of nowhere. Your winner, who won week 10? Now, who won week 10 is that yeah, I, I mentioned it on the other show. I'm going to say Jamie Eisenberg. I loved his tweet last night. The Monsters gave Patrick Mahomes his powers back. <laughs> the, the Kansas City Chiefs won. They are back. Patrick Mahomes is back. We talked about it on this show. I talked about it on my other show. I said it multiple times last week. I've already said it today uh, but the real truth is Patrick Mahomes was confident and played more in the style of the game that they needed to play to what they need to do going forward and that's not force it downfield to Kelsey and Hill mm-hmm. every single play take what's open underneath trust his other receivers like Pringle like Noah Gray like Daryl Williams out of the backfield not and that's the biggest thing is go to Daryl Williams before he's your last ditch option is that's the thing is like he because he would wait 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 for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and then oh, I guess I'll throw to Daryl Williams no he just looked and found open people yesterday the one that he did throw to Daryl Williams is a little contest in the end zone got away <laughs> with it that was that was Mahomes. a last ditch option but <laughs> <laughs> on that and, play and Brute man me Meany brought this up too. Is that I think he said like Hill or Harbin. Somebody was open on that play too, and he still forced it. So that was that was him being him. But he got away with it because the rest of the game, he was playing within their opportunities. So Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs passing game, they're back. They're the winners from Week Ten. Although I do kind of like Funston's. I don't know. I'll 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 come back once you say yours, Funston. <laughs> uh, okay, mine was Antonio Gibson, who we have poo pooed. Uh, often on this show for being even allowed to play with that shin injury. Um, <laughs> apparently, he's looking healthier. Look at you, you look at the actual production: twenty-four carries for sixty-some yards, mm-hmm. and you're like two point seven yards per carry. That you were going to call that good? We well, had to watch the game. I mean, he earned those yards. He was second among running backs in first downs gained. He was third among running backs on the week in missed tackles forced. He carried people into the end zone on his t- on his first touchdown in particular. They just needed him. I mean, in that kind of game, they needed to run clock. And Antonio Gibson, he was, you know, he wasn't getting huge yardage, but he was getting enough to allow Washington to sit on that lead and win that football game. And to me, 24 carries and no one else got more than five. Like, this is a kind of a effort and a win against a top team like this that endears yourself, yourself to the coach. I think going forward, and there's going to be some more tough games coming up if you look at Washington's schedule. But, like, I just think he's kind of cemented himself as the clearly guy. Jarrett Patterson talk is going to go away, I think. And I think we're also, I, weirdly enough, I think he's kind of maybe healthier now. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of, I don't think you can do what he did and not be, not be healthy. Uh, so, so like I, I like what Phil said. Imagine how good it be if they gave him time to heal. And that's really what it comes down to. As you've mentioned it, we've talked about it a lot of times, is that they needed three-plus weeks you yep. got 13 days, and so Meany and I made a list, as I do, and said, how many running backs would you take over Antonio Gibson rest of season? We got 
20 plus. Yeah. And there none of the names were insane either. Like we're just where we started to hesitate was the backfield of the Broncos, Michael mm-hmm. Carter, but there was other like easy names that we're just running through like easy. Yes, 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 yes. And that's my concern is like, I know you said that, Fonson, but they did the same thing to Gibson earlier this year. There's like, he's not 100% and they still gave him 20 plus touches. Mm-hmm. So if I can get the hell away from him for a top 15 running back value, goodbye. If not, I'll hope he stays healthy. But whew, I just, again, the more workload, I would have preferred if he did yesterday on 16 touches or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, and the schedule is not, I was just quickly looking at that Carolina next week. That's not going to be a walk in the park either. So the schedule will be definitely a headwind. But I just thought it was a workmanlike and in, in kind of just a much needed effort in that game. And I don't know that an Antonio Gibson of three, four weeks ago would have been able to do that. I think the carries that he put up plus the two touchdowns definitely opens up that cell window as well. I think with uh, how running back yeah. needy there are uh, people in every single fantasy league, you're probably going to have an opportunity to sell out if you want to right now. On the flip side of this, Funston, who lost Week 10? Uh, I can't help but look in my backyard in the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Russell Wilson had never been shut out before in his NFL career. He didn't look good. I mean, I don't think this. I mean, give Green yeah. Bay. Green Bay defense is is a good defense, but like this was Russell, and this was his finger being taped. And you just you know you, you say he's one of the best deep ball throwers. His deep balls were off. I mean, he Gerald Everett led the team in receiving. That says it all right there. It's not I mean, a this, good thing. It's not a good thing. And maybe the the finger gets better, but I don't know. I don't know if it gets better right away, and I don't really like a an Arizona defense against Seattle next week. I mean, that one doesn't get me excited either. As bad as the Arizona looked yesterday, but normally Arizona's defense gives Seattle problems. So, um, so I'm a little bit worried about Wilson going forward. Uh, I, I don't mind that at all. And I, I was somebody said, why so high on Tyler Lockett? And because mm-hmm. I had Tyler Lockett inside like the top 20, 25 wide receivers, it's like because Russ is back, and it's a decent matchup. Packers defense is all of a sudden playing great, even without Alexander, which is just yeah, crazy. Because that's rising. two weeks, actually three weeks in a row of good play versus some top-tier quarterbacks. And whether or not Russell Wilson's 100%, but I, I'm with you. They're concerned. I still think there's better days to come. Uh, but well, for first sure. game back, everybody said, everybody said Russell Wilson was coming back too fast. Mm-hmm. Everybody said that. So my loser is actually the fantasy community <laughs> trying to have fun because – Patriots games are back. If you thought we were finally going to be figuring this out, it is back to good luck every single week. If you could sell Ramondre Stevenson now, I would do it in a heartbeat because I don't know that Damian Harris gets Wally pipped, and I don't know that we're not looking at a full-blown. We're back to the Patriots being the Patriots. All four get involved every single week. Next week it's going to be Bolden. Next week it'll be J.J. Taylor. Next week it'll be Stevenson. Next week it'll be Harris. We had fun. We trusted Harris for a really long time. Get the hell away from it. And honestly, their receivers are the same thing. That entire yeah. team, there's zero <laughs> predictability on that team outside of Hunter Henry, really. A Hunter Henry tra- weekly touchdown is about the only thing you can predict. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's transition into that game then, since we're talking about it right now. Patriots just blow the doors off the Browns 45-7. to I mean, we have to sort of assume that Damian Harris is coming back this week, right? Because it was taken down to a game-time decision. It's a short decision. week. But it's a short week, exactly. It's a Thursday night game, Patriots and Falcons. So, I mean, Jake, you just say, if you can sell Ramondre Stevenson, you're doing it now. But what what if they hold Harris out another week? I mean, you would still want. He's still I'd, an easy starter in a world where Harris isn't playing. Yeah, but that's even more of why I would sell him. because, And I think because you'll get more if Damon Harris is out because people are going to see what just happened. And you might get some people giving you close to RB1 value if they're desperate or if they're needy and if they're like, oh, my God, and now it's Stevenson's backfield thinking it's now Stevenson and thinking it's like Harris is now going to get Wally pipped. Uh-huh. And not only top of that is – Here's where I always point out to, and say this is the scenario you could go down. Look at what just happened to James Conner. Now, Colt McCoy destroyed that offense, and Conner saved his day with a touchdown. Yeah. But I'm only bringing this up to say this. Let's say Conner didn't get his touchdown yesterday, and he comes out with like 60 yards. Everybody's like, oh, my God. Well, there goes Conner's sell-high window. It's gone. Yeah. And it's probably still gone for smart people that saw that game and worried about whether or not Kyler comes back. But what I'm saying is if Ramondre Stevenson goes out there on his own with no Damian Harris – and only puts up 60 yards because he only gets 12 touches and Brandon Bolden steals a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They're going to, yeah, this is why I didn't want to get involved with the Patriots. There's only downside to not selling it. Like, yes, you could still get the DeAndre Johnson type game and yay, but the, I think what I'm saying is I don't think the 
purchase price is ever going to be higher than it is right now, especially yeah. if Damon Harris is out again this week. Yeah. I think that's a, definitely a fair point to make, and uh, someone who would be an easy starter for sure in Week 11 if Damian Harris is out again. See, I would really think about that. Alex said, "Would you sell for Aaron Jones if you already have Dylan?" And I would think about that because, again, we're we got we're gonna have to wait and see what the news on Aaron Jones. Uh-huh. If Aaron Jones is out for five weeks, no. But if Aaron Jones is only out like two weeks because it's a sprain, I think I would do that to get Aaron Jones. They've got a they've got a buy coming up, don't they? The Packers haven't had their buy, right? I want to say it's like a week. 12 or 13 by for that week team. 13 there you go so i mean 11 12 well, they, I mean, right hope 13 that, that then yeah then i want to take aaron Jones he misses that's three weeks you, you, you get him you get him basically 14. a month off and you and he only misses two games yeah but at the same time you're bringing him back for week 14 fantasy playoffs coming up and do you trust him this first game back oh well that, i'm, talk, that, I'm that, talking that, about the that, packers i'm talking about this a, from the packers standpoint a, they uh, buy him a month off with only missing two games oh yeah yeah yeah, I'm but, from the but you do that deal for Stevenson, as you said, because if Harris is back, then suddenly Stevenson's in that you know eight to right. twelve touch world, and then if you know you do it if you're kind of looking good for the playoffs and you just want to have yourself more mm-hmm. solidified when you actually right. get to the postseason. Uh, Funston, are we done with Jarvis Landry? Oh, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, are we we should have been done That's with so Cleveland wide receivers a long, long time ago, you know. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what you can say. I mean, we, I think the bigger question is: Are we done with Baker Mayfield? Right? Like, is Cleveland done with Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I mean, that's that's. I mean, I still like Jarvis Landry, but it's just the worst environment ever for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean, there's believe me, there's going to be all kinds of people I'm going to be more interested in playing than Jarvis <laughs> Landry going forward. Yeah, I think that is absolutely true. I mean, some guys who we wrote off earlier in the season, just to give you a real-world example, uh, I've got a team, three wide receiver, two running back, two flex in addition to a super flex, relatively deep starting lineups, and I've got Allen Robinson sitting on that team, and that was someone who we wrote off a few weeks ago. Well, now if I'm having to make a decision between these two guys, Allen Robinson is easily in a lineup ahead of Jarvis Landry, so it's uh, it's just looking really ugly for that Cleveland passing game. Maybe we have an improving passing game in Carolina, you guys. Panthers putting the hurt on the Cardinals, 34-10. to The Panthers come out with a victory, and we all know the biggest story here from a fantasy perspective, Cam Newton back in our lives in some ways probably going to be starting for this team in week 11 so where does he fit in uh jake if you are just in a traditional one quarterback league who would your quarterback have to be what would your quarterback situation have to look like right now to want to be going after cam if you can get him yeah matt ryan that was fun (laughs) (laughs) like really it's kind of back in well mid to back end qb twos because even with cam newton what we've seen before is the passing is going to limit him uh, hopefully maybe it looks better than it was Carolina than he was with we saw with the Patriots because if it's that passing then forget about it like it's even trusted tough to trust as a QB too because it's all on the rushing side it's all the rushing touchdowns on top of it but you know I'm looking in that range like Tua with the injury situation that he's dealing with is you know maybe that's where you go to Cam Newton Teddy you know those kind of names that's what I'm looking at like Heineke if you were playing that game for a while as much as I hate to say it but that's the truth if you're playing that kind of range of mm-hmm. quarterbacks then sure you go go for Cam Newton for the upside because if he has any semblance to a passing game this is why we like Taysom Hill so Cam Newton Taysom Hill I think would be in the same conversation like QB 15 ish yeah I think it, yeah it's like if, if you drafted Trevor Lawrence and Baker Mayfield as your combo yeah. and you're like you know what I'm just this is why'd you I'm, draft Baker yeah that would just like be you you just, know yeah yeah, it was a national TV commercial ad campaign, and you know, you wanted a little, you wanted a little uh, pizzazz with your backup quarterback. So, <laughs> nothing says pizzazz quite like progressive commercials, right? I mean, that's, that's right. just that's really that's really what what, what screams it. Uh, Cam's obviously got much better weapons uh, in Carolina than he had last year in New England, so I think that's something that maybe also redounds to his benefit. We'll certainly take a look at that as the weeks go on. Uh, Arizona, this was an ugly game for this team. Now they play in Week Eleven; they've got to buy in Week. 12 are we comfortable assuming funston that all's well for this team when kyler returns uh, i mean that's i don't know all's well is he going to return 100 percent? he hasn't been running i he, you know i've kind of brought it up a lot that i don't think he really wants to run a whole lot i, I think mm-hmm. all's well when deandre hopkins is back and they're healthy across the board at wide receiver um it's gonna hurt you know, a little bit with chase Edmonds. he was a nice he was kind of a nice weapon to have out of the backfield in the passing for game sure. 
Um, so if Kyler's not running as much and you're not, you don't have Edmonds there and, you know, some of the other guys been, like Hopkins have been out, it's not, all's not well if Kyler returns. But I think if you get most of those guys back, we're not going to get Chase Edmonds back right away. But I think they'll be fine. Um, just, you know, I think you have to temper expectations. I'm not going to slam dunk them into the top six, five quarterbacks week in and week out for a little while. Week 11 next week, they're at Seattle, and then they have the bye, and then they're at Chicago, right? So, uh, you know, it's like you wonder if maybe they let Kyler sit one more week and just get him that bye, get him to the bye, and then bring him back. And Hopkins. uh, Yeah, right, and Hopkins. So it's going to be something that – And if Colt McCoy is that quarterback and there's no Hopkins, it's not starting anybody. I mean, it – Outside James Conner. Yeah, yeah we saw how ugly things can be for that offense uh, in that exact scenario uh, just uh, just yesterday. So definitely something that we're going to have to watch uh, going into this game against Seattle. Uh, next game up, guys, I want to talk about Vikings and Chargers. Vikings come away with a twenty-seven to twenty victory, and you know we've we've had this discussion a couple of times on this show over the last few weeks, but we got to bring it back up, Jake. I, I mean, should we be worried? about Justin Herbert, less than six yards per attempt again yesterday over his last four, just 6.6 yards per attempt, six touchdowns against four interceptions. Mike Williams, a ghost yet again. It feels like it might be time to start worrying about Justin Herbert as a locked-in week-in, week-out starter. It is, and it's something that I said about last year, and we talked about it this offseason. I said Justin Herbert towards the end of the year, the NFL started to figure him out a little bit, and then – he adjusted and he adjusted. He made a little bit of adjustment right at the end of the season too. And then walking into this year, made some huge adjustments. He was back to being Justin Herbert. It looks like the NFL is starting to get him a little bit. And I, I watched a good chunk of that game because I have a Vikings fan who's a close friend of mine. And I was watching a lot of it. And it's like, he's going back to, I don't say it's the exact same thing that happened last year, but you're taking away certain aspects of his game, especially with Mike Williams. And maybe mm-hmm. Mike Williams still isn't hundred percent, but you're forcing him to be more of, throw it a billion times over the middle of the field to Keenan Allen. You're taking away the outside ball, and you're taking away the outside ball as you're forcing some of the throws that he's comfortable making, and there's still throws there. And that's because I watched, like you said, three of the last four games. And honestly, it's all mm-hmm. four games. In fantasy circles, he had the rushing touchdown that really propped the, this game. For, he still he didn't have a great game last right. week, last last, last week. <laughs> so if you're watching the games, the way that they're playing the perimeter and the outside, and I'm watching it, similar to Patrick Mahomes in a different way. It's like we were talking about the cover two, and I said this is why Patrick Mahomes is struggling, is they're taking away where Herbert's comfortable outside, and they're forcing him over the middle, and they're forcing him to continue to go over the middle. And until he gets more comfortable, so that's why I say I do have concerns about Justin Herbert. And it goes into, folds into the target volume and the opportunities for Mike Williams because yeah. it just goes hand in hand. So Keenan Allen's now in that auto start wide receiver one because of pure volume. Well, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. They get Pittsburgh at home this week, and Pittsburgh's defense has continued to be good this year. I think that you're considering you might, if you haven't already, bench Justin Herbert depending on what your other quarterback option is. It's definitely in play, and then I think it's in play for Mike Williams, too. Funston, is he still in the auto-start group of wide receivers for you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he is. I think what we've seen, and I watched, you know, I see Mike Williams show a glimmer each week, and then he'll have, like, a crossing route that just hits him in the hands, and he drops it. And I just said, I said out loud, I said, oh, Mike Williams. You know, when he <laughs> when he had a drop, I was like, God, you this is your momentum chance here. And he just dropped a kind of a big pass last week uh, as I was watching. And look, he basically has a drop every week. And I just wonder if Justin Herbert is starting to lose some confidence in him there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think right now something's going on, whether we, we bring it up every week. Oh, maybe he's not healthy. Maybe just and it's hard to, to see some of the nuances of defensive adjustments as well and mm-hmm. what's going on there. But um, something's not right right now. And, they just can't get anything going. So, yeah, a matchup like this, considering Justin Herbert's struggling as well, I think they go hand-in-hand hand a little bit because, you know, when Mike Williams was showing out, Justin Herbert was great. You know, I think they yeah. kind of need that to go together there. So if you're going to sit Justin Herbert this week, it probably means you're considering sitting Mike Williams as well. Not a lot to say about the other side of this game. The Vikings are going to Viking. This is what they do every week, yeah. right? They're, they're three, four guys who do what they do, do what they do. I just want to take this opportunity. Can we, can we please do Justin Jefferson 10 targets every game? Can we please not have another stretch where he gets nine targets across two games? Can we just get hey, this guy? I said that going in. I mean, please, please, just do – because you see what happens. He gets the 11 targets yesterday. He catches nine of them for, like, what, 143, 145, and he just looks like the best player on the field. So – Come on, guys. Let's just let's just <laughs> make good. this a thing. The, re- the rest good. of the season, he's, he's good he's at football. Really, 
He's really, really freaking good. Uh, Chiefs Raiders. We uh, talked a little bit. One of Jake's uh, big winners of the week, the Chiefs offense. Someone who is going to be a big part of that or was a big part of that yesterday is Daryl Williams. And you know, it looks like Clyde Edwards-Alaire likely going to be activated for this week. But, I mean, Funston, Daryl Williams has to keep playing, doesn't he? Well, this is funny. Like, are we saying that Clyde Edwards-Alaire couldn't have done what Daryl Williams did is the question, or, <laughs> or even done more? I mean, they, you know, the Raiders play cover three. They they were, you know, protecting the, the deep ball. They, you know, the, the flat was open. Um mm-hmm. I would rather have Clyde Edwards with the ball in space than Daryl Williams. I'm not saying Daryl Williams is bad. I, I I think there's probably some sort of platoon that has to happen now. But you gotta have Clyde Edwards Alaire out there. He's just a he's just another mm-hmm. weapon that brings a different kind of dynamic than Daryl Williams does. <laughs> Daryl Williams is a hard hat wearing dude, uh a good player. But you got I think you gotta have a mix of both. Maybe not completely unlike what James Conner and, and Chase Edmonds were together. You know, I think you can play them in concert in a similar kind of fashion. Except that, what if James Conner is actually Clyde Edwards-Alaire? That's that's the thing here. It's like I don't know. Like this was a split we saw at the beginning of the season where Daryl Williams was on the field for passing downs, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire wasn't as much as we wanted him to be, and that's killing his value. And he's already not going to be the goal line running back. Uh, I'm less positive than you are. I'm legitimately concerned. This is a sixty forty split. And the 40 is not Daryl Williams. The 40 is Edwards Alaire. Like, that's my concern. Like, Daryl Williams has shown enough. Mm-hmm. They liked Daryl Williams last year. They liked Daryl Williams again this year. I'm just concerned that, you know, even when I'm, I pulled it up while we we're talking, 60% of the snaps for Edwards Alaire on passing downs. He was 60. It wasn't even 70, 80%. Like, so that was before anything even happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you, Funston. I think talent wise, if you looked at both on the field, you would say similar to like the Justin Jefferson thing, which is give Edwards Alaire more opportunities. But how many times have we sat here and said like what we see and what we want to happen and the coaches don't do what we want to happen? So well, I'm, yeah, with you. No. I'm just legitimately concerned. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess my answer is is probably it would be, a, a, you know, if you're saying 60-40 in favor of Williams, that's a little bit more than I was when I was going to go. I was, I was saying basically it would be a straight platoon like we saw. But um, you've got to remember, I think, Edward Solaire had like three 100 yard games in his in his final four games before he went out. So he was on he was starting to get on a roll. So maybe you're right though. Maybe it's Edward Solaire just getting the between the twenties or between the tens carries. Mm-hmm. Daryl Williams at the goal line and in the passing game, and you know it probably works out better for Daryl Williams. Yeah, it'll be I, I'm very excited to see what this uh, backfield looks like in Edward Solaire's first game back. And I agree with you, Funston. Edward Solaire definitely could have done what Daryl Williams did last night, but Daryl Williams did do it. And so I just feel like that's really what's going to have to keep him in the lineup, at least in the way he was. I would say as a floor in the way he was before Edwards Hilaire's uh, injury. This was a fun stat I saw from uh, our buddy industry pal and colleague uh, Scott Pianowski over at Yahoo. Josh Jacobs, I don't know if there's really anything to draw off of this, you guys, and some of it is like pretty logical, but uh, this comes to us from uh, Pianow. Uh, Josh Jacobs, in 16 career wins he's played in, he has 21 touchdowns. In 19 career losses, he has three touchdowns. Obviously, there's a little bit of chicken and egg there, uh, just like there is with almost any rushing win versus loss stat, but is that anything you would consider, Jake, going forward if you see the Raiders as seven-point underdogs or something? No, because the Raiders, unless like the Chiefs last night, okay, yeah, the Chiefs, that's one. But most weeks, the Raiders are similar to trying to predict Patriots running backs. Is Yeah, okay, they should. You know what? Actually, you know what the Raiders, they're Jared Goff. Or Jared Goff, no, Jared Cook. Oh, boy. It, <laughs> I was going to say Jared Cook. This is why I never did the Jared Cook thing is because Jared Cook should show up in great matchups, mm-hmm. and he doesn't, and he should not show up in bad matchups. You can never predict. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say is the Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are good enough that you never know if they're going to win when they shouldn't, but then they lose games that they shouldn't, and so that, that's what it is. It's like, like so, that. yes, if you could tell me <laughs> you could tell me beforehand the Raiders are definitely, definitively winning, sure, And but this week, I mean, let's be honest, Cincinnati, are, are they winning? Week, right? Are they losing? Like, like. That could go either know. way. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that was that exactly. was that was my answer as well. Is I just think they're so Jekyll and Hyde. You just don't know what uh-huh. you're going to get. You know, instead of a box of chocolates too. Look at the Giants game. That's the Giants game. It's right uh-huh. there. And, yeah. and, and and you know what? And that Giants game, he went ballistic in that game. By the way. Yeah. So again, not- that doesn't even always add up. I just thought it was a fun little stat to uh, to consider and think about. And that's a big game next week: Raiders and Bengals. With the way the AFC is just totally clumped up, right? I mean, Bills. Titans and then like 
throw them all in a bag and let's see who's going to be in the playoffs. That's a, that's a huge game for the AFC wildcard race between the Raiders and the Bengals in Week 11. But we'll talk about that when we get to the Thursday show. A lot of nice games actually on the slate for us in Week 11. All right, guys, Packers and Seahawks. Sorry, Funston, we got to get to this one. You talk about the Seahawks being a loser, but is there a chance that they're just in a Dak Prescott-like cycle that the Cowboys were in, right? First game back from injury with the superstar quarterback. They get blown out by the Broncos, and they bounce back and score 43 points against the Falcons. Could you argue that the Seahawks are in that same sort of cycle right now? No, I think if you go back and look, Russell was starting to wane a little bit before he even got hurt. And, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about this Rams offense, uh, the Shane Waldron offense bringing in the, the concepts there. And I, as I watched the season transpire, I kind of questioned whether Russell can run that offense. I think he's, I think he's play, play action, big play uh, quarterback that has a hard time throwing over the middle, especially on those kind of like hit a receiver in stride across the middle kind of, the stuff that you mm-hmm. see from Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and um, and without a running game, without the you know, they, I think they need to get Chris Carson back. They need to establish that run so that you can get you can get big plays off of that. But until that happens, I'm just I'm just worried, and I just you know that that finger was off. Like I I don't know how long it's going to be before that finger is good. Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? Is it is it next week? I don't know. But right now he just doesn't look like he has the same kind of accuracy and the ability um, throwing the ball that he did before the injury. We're just getting some word here from Adam Schefter, uh, the Cowboy, the Packers, Aaron excuse Jones. me, expecting a uh, one to two week absence for Aaron Jones, a mild MCL sprain, which does take them right up to that buy that we talked about. Seems so like what are a, our expectations? Seems like a two week sit, right? Like I'm sitting for two, right? two and then sit, yeah. get him to buy. And then he comes back. What are our expectations for AJ Dillon, Jake, with uh, with Aaron Jones out for at least these next one to two? RB one conversation. It really comes down to it. Is you know a lot of people you know, coming out of college. I even said he's like a smaller version of Derrick Henry, but that's who he is, and somebody who's okay in the passing game, but you know doesn't get as much work just because of how he is and his style. But the Packers have given him more passing game. Where like similar to what we really kept have, saying, yeah. like just get Derrick Henry in space and give him the ball. Look what happens when you throw him on a screen pass. Because good God, you don't want to stop Derrick Henry after he's got four <laughs> steps going. But it's very similar to AJ Dillon, and they were already doing that with the mix. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. just AJ Dillon gets seven carries every single week. He was already getting that mix. So. With James Conner, even with Kyler Murray, I would take A.J. Dillon in the interim. Obviously, yeah. James Conner, more long-term because he doesn't have the buy in Aaron Jones coming back. But as of right now, if there, if you told me this week, no Dearness, or no Nick Chubb, no you know the James Conner, like, I would have A.J. Dillon over Dearness Johnson and James Conner. Like, I would have him over Mark Ingram with no Alvin Kamara. That's a good A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is going to be the clear workhorse bell cow. He's walking into like Najee Harris level type of touches until. So, yeah, it does sound like I will say this. I know we're two weeks out, but in case we have this show, if they do play Aaron Jones before their bye, the same thing that happened with David Montgomery, the same thing that happened. If a team brings back a running back early and the other running back is performing, that tells you what you need to know. The team is going back to that guy. So if Aaron Jones plays in two weeks, Aaron Jones is going to be back to being the starter. <laughs> At least we'll get one week out of A.J. Dillon. And we all saw it, right, yesterday. What he At can minimal. Do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we all saw what he can do uh, yesterday in that game against the Seahawks. A couple of touchdowns, the only touchdowns in that game, both coming from A.J. Dillon. Uh, so definitely expecting a workhorse role from him while Aaron Jones is out. Cowboys with a huge 43-3 win over the Falcons. Cowboys getting back to who they are. What's our interest level, you guys, in Michael Gallup? He's still about 50% available across the fantasy universe, so there's going to be some waiver claims made on him over these next two days. Jake, what's your interest level if uh, one is meh and five is, yeah, oh, I'm going after him for sure in all my leagues. Where does he sit? Mm, two and a half, meh. This is uh, like this is really was so I thought I said this with Meany is like if you don't if you just look at the box score and do the assumptions and checked in on the game here and there, you'd be like, oh, CeeDee Lamb is the one that's fine. Panic about Amari Cooper, panic yeah. about Dalton Schultz, panic like CeeDee Lamb was third. Amari Cooper ran the most routes. Dalton Schultz was second. Amari Cooper, er, yeah, so Amari Cooper led. So I'm buying low on Cooper, selling high on mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb, and not that interested in Michael Gallup because he's still third. It's like Van yep. Jefferson before the situation with the Rams. All Van Jefferson, before everything happened, before the injuries and all the Beckham, mm-hmm. yes, he's going to have some weeks, but good luck predicting when the weeks are. And this is just what more it is is the Cowboys are going to be frustrating going forward. The only two I really want are Lamb and Cooper, both. But I think yeah. they're both in that 
15 to 20 range at wide receiver now. There you go. Honestly. That was yeah. what I wanted to ask you guys about after that game. 94 yards, a pair of touchdowns. He did miss some time with that arm injury that you know obviously wasn't serious. And by he, I'm talking about C.D. Lamb. Right. But that, that's right. where you're at for him on the rest of the season, Jake. Wide receiver 15. Yeah, I would still take Lamb over Cooper. I would, yep. So I'd probably put like, but that's the thing is like Lamb before Gallup coming back and everything, you would say Lamb was like wide receiver 10. I think that's where he was in my ranks this week was right around mm-hmm. 10 and Cooper was like 16, 17. Now I'd say Lamb is like 15, Cooper's 20 to 22-ish, somewhere right, right there. So it's still those two and I don't want to screw around the rest, but it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit more of a mix bag every single week than it was kind of like the Bengals, honestly. Yeah. Man, I would be higher on Lamb. I just, it's not because I don't, it's not because I disagree with you, Jake. It's just that, like, have, have you done the exercise of ranking the wide receivers? It's, the top wide receivers have been very unreliable this year. It's like, you know, this has been the worst year. People talk about, like, you know, zero RB is such the great way to go, and it's been such a good year. But, like, the, the receivers that you would, have bought in the draft, you know, eschewing the running backs just haven't been that reliable. Mm. You know, it hasn't been a big bang for your buck to go away from those top level running backs that you, you know, that you're supposed to avoid early on because those are the guys that have been bankable and the bankable wide receivers haven't been that bankable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I would take both. I would take both bucks. I would still take I would rather have, I would rather have CD Lamb. Yeah. You'd rather have Godwin than Lamb, Jake. Yeah. Is Antonio Brown coming back? Isn't he? I don't know. I'm not I'm assuming he is. <laughs> uh, we don't know. Oh, when did this become a season-ending injury? I, I mean, I, you know, it seems like every week it's he's just like Gronkowski. <laughs> every week know. we keep getting like, oh, he might I come mean, back. A- he might come back. He might come back. Look, if even if if Brown isn't back, well, like I'm Cup, still Adams, lamb. Hill, Jefferson, Chase, Diggs. AJ Brown, even off that, the stinker, I'm still taking AJ I Brown. I wouldn't. Uh, AJ are you taking? You wouldn't take AJ Brown? No. Who the AJ Jones is on the rest of the season? Like, AJ Brown is is a screaming neon light that I'm the only guy that can make a play in this Tennessee offense. Like, how hard is that for <laughs> no, a defense? Okay, I just, wow, but I no just respect said that. for Marcus write it, Johnson. Write it down, Beller. Brown versus Lamb, rest of the season. Yeah. All right, I got it. I am 100 percent with Funston on that. 100 percent. Give me Lamb. Give me Lamb, absolutely. The only way A.J. Brown beats Lamb the rest of the way is if he goes up against a terrible defensive coordinator that gets, like, four touchdowns in one game. He'll have, <laughs> he'll have like, one or two games that will be better than anything C.D. Lamb will do the rest of the way, but he'll also get you those those valleys. And I don't the, think one for, the one for 16 like he had yesterday? Hey, yeah, exactly. You can, you can keep arguing. This. We're making it. We already made the bet. You <laughs> okay. Have to keep yeah. this. okay. Um, all right, yeah, we, we got we to gotta move on. Uh, so let's, let's do some more rest-of-season ranking. I'm going to jump past Atlanta because who cares, whatever. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> It's Cordero Patterson. You're starting. Go pick up Wayne Gallman. You don't want to start anyone else. Oh. You really want to pick up Wayne Gallman? <laughs> now you're going to yes. make us talk about Atlanta. It's, you really want to no. pick up Wayne Gallman? You want to pick up yes. Wayne Gallman? It's over. It, Mike Davis is over. Finally. Well, I know Mike Davis is over, but who cares? Yeah. Because the next man up, if Cordero Patterson goes down, you're going to be like, oh, everybody's going to go spend the rest of their fab on Wayne Gallman. No, put him on your team and stash him until it happens. Uh, all right. Wayne Gallman. Go get him. Can we talk about a different game now? Colts and Jaguars. Let's do some more rest of season ranking. Jonathan Taylor, is he the RB1 the rest of the season? Does anyone want to make that argument? Yeah, Funston? Why is it an argument? Like, the guy's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean look, at what, look at what Christian McCaffrey did yesterday. That's, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he also was on the sideline in, in a blue tent for a little while, too. Like, I, man, I, like, Jonathan Taylor is just, if you just want to have peace of mind and not, you know, and be able to sleep at night, mm-hmm. I think Jonathan Taylor is your number one. Certainly, Christian McCaffrey Keep going. can make the case. But, um, you know, it's peace of mind. Peace of mind, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, like, who is McCaffrey your one? You're gonna, just going to ignore all, all the injury, you know, ups and downs that we've seen the last couple of years? Yeah, why? Because what, Jonathan Taylor can't get hurt touching the ball 25 times a game? It's just more opportunities Boom. to get hurt the more Is he, he really, though? He's, he, he made it to 20 carries yes. for what, the first time? Like No, again, Derrick Henry was a fluke injury, but he's touching the ball 25 times. Every time you touch the ball is a likelihood to potential another injury. Saquon Barkley touched the ball and got hurt, twisting okay. an ankle, stepping but, on what it. I'm saying, I'm not saying. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is that the likelihood of – of Christian McCaffrey getting injured versus Jonathan Taylor, I would I would put my odds on Christian McCaffrey getting hurt. That would be because like minus five hundred. That's if, like I'm just I'm not going to play that game. Likely, yeah. Well, I'm not playing that gonna, game either. But if you're if you're having no, no, that no, discussion, just, it just has less miles. No, but I, I mean, say, 
there's a lot less mileage on Jonathan no, Taylor. I still take if you, yeah, I still take Christian McCaffrey. Just what I mean, if Matt he did what he just did without even having a touchdown, and so Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey. But like, look, who cares? Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, Najee Harris deserves to be in this conversation too. It's a fun conversation to have, and plus, it gives me an excuse to pull out this shirt. When you said Wisconsin, you said it all. <laughs> That's it, right there. Go Badgers. Go Jonathan Taylor. He's not the Badger curse like the other running backs. He is a unique man unto himself. Hey, and we're seeing the biggest that loser here. in my mind of the week was from Wisconsin. So. Uh, I mean, North Carolina <laughs> State first. Oh, that's right. We'll, we'll, you know, <laughs> uh, Jacksonville's defense, you guys. They actually, other than Jonathan Taylor, like it's a strange box score to look at what the uh, to look the at what thing. the uh, the Colts did. Right, five and a half yards per attempt for uh, Carson Wentz. Like Michael Pittman grinded his way to six catches for seventy yards. This coming after what they did to the Bills, is there something afoot in Jacksonville, Jake? I said that. On, I, I, I tweeted that yesterday. I said on the show this morning with Chris Meany, I said, like, let's be realistic. Like, the Jaguars' offense is crap. Horrible. But <laughs> is their pass defense not something that you need to be – like, it's not the Steelers, mm-hmm. but just something, like, where it's not the cake matchup it used to be. This is why I had T.Y. Hilton. It's like I missed – I whiffed on this one. I said it 100%. I had T.Y. Hilton as a strong wide receiver three slash four on that fringe as that boom-bust conversation of, like, a lot of those guys in that range. Um, very close to like Odell Beckham this week who hasn't played yet. And he got one catch for nothing. And Carson Wentz, the biggest thing is Carson Wentz did nothing overall. Michael Pittman had a decent day, but the Jaguars defense two weeks in a row passing game wise has done a really good job. Now, again, I'm not saying all of a sudden we'll be scared of them, but we're talking about more of like your ancillary options going forward. You know, I'm trying to see who do they have this week? I was looking at San Francisco, San Fran, San Francisco. So, you know, maybe depending on what happens, we have to see what happens tonight. See but, happens you know, tonight, maybe yeah. if, if Brandon Ayuk comes out of tonight's game and he's the third option again, maybe you're like, okay, maybe Brandon Ayuk's not a worthy play next week. That type of conversation is what you have going forward. All right, guys, one more thing from this game. I wanted to get into one of the official uh, players of this show, and that is Dan Arnold. Do you guys know that Dan Arnold is still 26% rostered on Yahoo, 51% rostered on CBS, and it's like – the target share is massive for a tight end and something that just jumped out at me. If anyone is not yet convinced about Dan Arnold yesterday in that game, when they're trying to make that comeback third and it's like a third and five from the seven yard line, they can pick up a first down without scoring a touchdown. Dan Arnold lined up outside first read Lawrence throws it to him. He gets the first down. They score a touchdown in the very next play. Like not only is Dan Arnold producing the Jaguars love him. He's the most bankable player in this passing game right now, right, Funston? Yeah, how many times do we have to say Dan Arnold in, in start sick <laughs> questions can't. on Sunday yeah, morning? Right. I mean, he was like the guy that everybody wanted to know. Should I start Dan Arnold or Ricky Seals-Jones? And we're like, Dan yeah. Arnold, are you not paying attention? <laughs> Look, uh, the only thing he's not doing is scoring touchdowns. I think he had a two-point conversion, though. Um, so, hey, it's He did, it's a, after, after that touchdown. It's a, he, after it's a start. James Robinson punched it in, and then he got the two-point conversion. Yeah, but he's a bankable 60 yards right now, and that's I mean, that's all you can ask for from a tight end. Four catches, five catches, 60 yards, take it every week. Please, please, everyone, go out there and get Dan Arnold if you are in need of any tight end help because the dude is going to give it to you. All right, guys, a couple more games for us still to get to here. Let's talk about the Bills and Jets. 45-17, to 17, the Bills run away with a victory there. Bills bounce back. We all said this a week ago. Don't worry about the Bills in that game against the Jaguars. We just talk about the Jaguars' defense. That's an offense that's going to bounce back. So we feel good about that. I want to look at the Jets for one second here because Corey Davis comes back in this game after missing a couple games with injury. Goes north of 90 yards. Elijah Moore, a garbage time touchdown, and we're excited about the growth that we've seen from him. Does that make Jamison Crowder irrelevant, Jake? Mm, it just makes Jameson Crowder irrelevant because anybody not named Corey Davis, like even Corey Davis is borderline trustable in this offense. So, you know, I expect Zach Wilson to be back after the Mike White situation and Zach Wilson mm-hmm. being healthy. And we've seen what Zach Wilson does to this offense. So mm-hmm. Michael Carter, Corey Davis is a wide receiver three because of volume. And then that's just, it just comes down to you don't want anything else in this offense. There's not a third, fourth, fifth option because the offense is as miserable as it is. That's as simple as it gets. It has nothing to do with like Crowder versus Elijah Moore or anything like that. And did Corey Davis get a touchdown taken away because of an offensive P.I.? Was that was that did I imagine that? Did you guys see that? Oh, it, I did not see that. He lost I a fumble. Didn't I didn't watch that enough happened. of that game yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think he – there was a – I mean, as good as his day was, there was more there, I'm pretty sure. Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't I don't have much to add to what Jake said. Michael Carter, again, you know. Yeah. 
just getting the what the, grinding out eighty yards we, from scrimmage and a the, touchdown. The nice thing here was sixteen carries and like nobody mm-hmm. else was even close. I think the next highest guy was right. like four. That's we're starting to see that really evolve into a full on takeover. No, but Ty Johnson, another serviceable RB three. Yeah, another serviceable <laughs> JD McKissick yeah. style of game for Ty Johnson. Yeah. Um, on the other side, we had what uh, four different people scored rushing touchdowns for the Bills right in that game, and like it's never going to happen. Can they just play Devin Singletary? Can they just like do no. like like yeah, why not? Why can't they just do because it? He's not that good. He's not that Isn't good. Is he better than Zach Moss? <laughs> no, because they're now they're all this different <laughs> different skill sets. They're all mediocre, and now we're, and it, have we're it, talking about Matt Matt, Matt Breida. Breida and his two touchdowns <laughs> two on four touchdowns. touches. <laughs> yeah, well, he had two touches. I think he had two or three touches after that, but the four yeah. touches and two touchdowns. Like yeah. this is that's just what say what Pat Mayo has always said. The only running back I want in the Bills' backfield is Josh Allen. Josh. That's really. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he didn't really do anything yesterday. Look, at it. I'm I'm running. counting it up. Seventeen mm-hmm. running back total carries in a forty-five to seventeen blowout against a team <laughs> that's been like run on the it's most the of anybody. Yeah, <laughs> so that's so the Bills. That is, that is the Bills for you. Steph Diggs exclamation point finally got the big game we were hoping for from him. Titans grinding out another win, you guys, without Derrick Henry, twenty-three to twenty-one over the Saints. And how about all that money that was dropped on Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols? Deontay Foreman looked like the best back for the Titans yesterday. Is this just cut city for Peterson and McNichols, Jake? No, this is another Patriots games is the, because you know what happened was Adrian Peterson kept coming in at the goal line too, despite the fact that the Foreman was looking better and getting touches and everybody's like, Ooh, Foreman's the guy. Eh, Is he? McNichols still got passing down work. Adrian Peterson still got goal line carries and inside the five. So it's just stay the hell away. And if you're desperate, maybe you hope that Foreman rips off one and gets the touchdown himself before they get inside the 10. And that'd be the only one I would try to go to. But because I'm not trying to predict Adrian Peterson getting a touchdown on 30 yards. So I'm not going to play that game. (laughs) But really what it comes down to is, yeah, just stay away if possible. And if are you worried at all about A.J. Brown? Either one, either you guys want to say that one for 16 yesterday? not. Not at all. Not one. <laughs> we've minute. already had this. Not even the we've tiniest, already kind of, even the tiniest We've already played our shred. played our hand on this one. We've already shown our hands on on. We have a little bit, but I wanted to ask about it again. How about the other the, side of this the, game, the, Brunson? No, because real quick, uh, the yeah. the respect needs to be given. I've been saying this for how many weeks? The respect needs to be given know. to the Saints' defense. Period. Their run and pass defense is really good, and their pass defense is one of the most concerned. This is bench people against the Saints. This is. Marshawn Lattimore has turned back into the Lattimore from two years ago. This is the Saints defense is a concerning defense. And if you look who the Saints have this week, I know you're probably looking at Philadelphia. I don't know where yeah. to start Devontae Smith against them. That's, that's, that's what it's coming down to. They have to. Houston this week, but then they have New England. You know, So what do we always say? Bill Belichick knows how to erase the team's top top guy. Look, I, I trust Bill Belichick to keep A.J. Brown in check. I don't know about Houston, though. We'll, we'll see. That could be a little bit different. <laughs> um, Mark Ingram came from Houston. Does he matter, Funston, when Alvin Kamara returns after the game we saw from him uh, last night? I, the Saints are interesting because are they going to continue to go in the more traditional Trevor Simeon sense, or are they going to take the losses? Simeon played well. He played okay. I mean, you know, he's, I think he has a limited ceiling. And yeah. um, do you want to just shake it up and try Taysom Hill as, as a full-time guy and see – you know, if you can change change things yeah. up a little bit. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you, you're keeping Ingram just like Jake said, go pick up Wayne Gallman. Like you're better. You're mm-hmm. better playing this game with Mark Ingram than you are with Wayne Gallman. But the, the same. I think you could use Ingram as an RB three some week. Yeah, I'm just saying the same rules apply here. He's insurance. And so you're backtracking, Beller. You laughed at me on Thursday when I said Semyon was better for the passing game. Oh, yeah, I did. I might be wrong. What can I say? <laughs> I just I am I like auto fade anyone who uh, comes from Northwestern's offense, and that's uh, Trevor is that, Simeon. Is that what it is? <laughs> I I don't know. I Maybe like Simeon, <laughs> Tyler Taylor, Tyler Heineke. You know they're kind of the same. Like they're uh-huh. just not they're not big arm guys. They you know accuracy can sometimes be a little bit issue, but they're spunky and they're you know they got <laughs> they got grit you know and they get credit for that, but those aren't real tangible things. So um, yeah. I, I, well, I think Sean Payton's not going to – if they keep losing, he's not going to stay the course. 
a Taylor Heineke being frisky can maybe lead us right into our next topic, which is what the hell was that from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Are we putting them as week 10 bucks, Jake, in the same bucket as week nine Cowboys and week nine Bills? Just wash your hands of it and move on and expect this offense to bounce back, or are you worried yeah, at all? Just dump the film, throw it away, move on to the next week. It, it'll mm-hmm. bounce back. Tom Brady throwing two interceptions early in that game, and I don't think all of a sudden the Washington defense is back or anything like that. They also lost Chase Young, which is going to be a huge part of anything happening on that defense. But move on. Nothing to worry about. And we already talked about Gibson ad nauseum yeah. on this team. So Yeah, Gibson was uh, the other topic we had uh, discussed in this, but as we, uh, we hit on uh, the top of the show. So we can move right on to the Eagles and the Broncos. And Jake, you just said uh, Devontae Smith, someone who you would sit – against the Saints in week 11. Maybe. Is this a, maybe sit. Depends on what you've got. But is this a good opportunity to sell high on Devontae Smith? Two touchdowns on six targets. I mean, we love Devontae Smith, love the talent, love the player, love what we saw from the Eagles offense yesterday, but it just still feels like the volume isn't going to be there for him in the way that we want it to be, that we would be feeling very comfortable about him volume. as a week-in, week-out starter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's why I said he's he's – Deshaun Jackson, before, like the older Deshaun like, Jackson, like well, Eagles not older, Deshaun. past years, Deshaun, like past years Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. I don't even know if he's Eagles Deshaun Jackson. I think he's like somewhere in between Eagles and Buccaneers Deshaun Jackson. He's not quite Eagles. Like, remember, Eagles Deshaun Jackson was. Well, he's gonna he's maybe, going to be Eagles Deshaun eventually. Yes, he will be. But yeah, that, at Eagles Deshaun Jackson was only like four or five bad games. This is probably mm-hmm. half and half for, for Devonta Smith. So, yeah, it just really comes down to like he can do it any given game. But the thing is, is, you know, three catches is it like five targets like it's just gonna have to happen in a big play and that's really what it comes down to mm-hmm. so would you try is this an opportunity to sell high do you think that's a real sure, absolutely because the yeah this ab- absolutely people are going to be willing to just like they were earlier a couple weeks ago when you had that two or three game stretch and people were paying top 20 wide receiver value for him absolutely yeah um we saw big games funston again from jordan howard and boston scott both of them going over 80 rushing yards uh, Boston Scott over 100 yards from scrimmage. Is Miles Sanders going to come back and ruin? I don't know if party's the right word, but like ruin what has been a bit of a party for these Eagles backs? I don't know. Maybe ruins Boston Scott a bit. I'm, look, I, I think the, the, the thing here is that the Eagles have found their recipe for success, which is run heavy. Yeah. 40, 40 rushes in that game against Denver. And I think this is working for them. They're run blocking well. You can you run well with the threat of Jalen Hurts being able to run the RPO. And, you know, Hurts can make when he does throw. I actually thought he looked pretty good, uh, you know, and, and made some nice throws. And Quez Watkins missed an easy touchdown uh, mm-hmm. on, oh my gosh, on yes. one. But, like, I think Miles Sanders just joins, you know, a team now that is all about running the football. And so he's going to hurt somebody. I think Jordan Howard has to stay, though. He's looking good, and I think he's going to continue to be the guy at the goal line as well. So I think his role is secure. Maybe it hurts Boston Scott, although Boston Scott's look good as well. Yeah, finding the motivation to run the football, definitely something that was hard for Nick Sirianni, but he finally has done it. All right, guys, just a couple more games I want us to talk about here. Let's get to the first one. Way back on Thursday night, Dolphins and Ravens. Dolphins pulling off a big upset with another solid performance from Tua Tungavailoa coming in after Jacoby Brissett got hurt. And Tua looked good in this game, you guys. Next uh, few games for the Dolphins look like this at Jets, home for the Panthers, home for the Giants. So maybe not the easiest defense schedule, but where does Tua sit for you, Jake, going forward here after another pretty strong game? You know, I'm Tua fan, but still in that mid QB2 range. It just really comes down to any given game. He's remarkably inconsistent predictable-wise, just like Mm -hmm. I was talking about with the Raiders before, including talk about it, and I'm going to throw him into the conversation, even though I know that's not who you're asking about, but Miles Gaskin too. I mean, Miles Gaskin went belly up in a game where whether it was volume or the game script, which is exactly how the game script went, like no matter what, like Gaskin's just they're more Jared Cook guys. Like you're <laughs> supposed to do it, and you supposed and you can't even do it then. So two is fine as that mid QB two, but also just you know it's he's unpredictable. He can put up 180 and one as he is likely to put up 250 and two and get some running yards. I, and I think also Punch really him. quickly just. Yeah. This offensive line's not good. Miles Gaskin, we like mm-hmm. him, but he was what, a seventh rounder? He should be somebody's third down back. Um, you know, your go to guy is Jalen Waddle, who should be a complimentary, like a really good complimentary receiver to a go to kind of yeah. wide receiver. You just don't have a good team. Like you just don't have a good offensive environment. So Tua's mm-hmm. Tua's got a cap on his ceiling because there's just, you know, not a whole lot around him. 
I'm just going to throw this out there for uh, people who are going through waivers today if he's available. Another quietly solid game for Rashad Bateman. Six catches, eight targets, and 80 yards. Uh, he's had six targets in all four games that he's played. He's at 80-plus in two of the four that he's played. So here's clearly got a big role in this Ravens offense. One more game to talk about, you guys. It was the Bow Ideal Lions and Steelers game, 16-16, to an ugly tie, an ugly overtime. Uh, just a game that really, truly no one deserved to win, and I want to ask you guys about the tight ends because I think there's reason for concern for both of these tight ends. First, hmm. Jake, what are we doing with Hawkinson right now? This was the concern heading into the year: was if you're the only option and teams take you away, it's not Travis Kelsey where you have a Tyree Kill. It's mm-hmm. not Dallas Goddard where you have other wa- ap- wa- ugh, other options. Darren Waller, other options. Mark Andrews, other options. You just stopped T.J. Hawkinson, and the biggest <laughs> part about was the concern was is also who is the quarterback. It's Jared freaking Goff. Jared Goff, who in almost five, <laughs> five quarters and 100 passing yards. Like, seriously? Like, almost five quarters. Like, that's that's what it came down to. Hawkinson will have better days, but he'll also have days like these. And honestly, if you're saying going forward, if I know Logan Thomas is healthy, I take Logan mm-hmm. Thomas over TJ Hawkinson. Like, just Hawkinson is legitimately in the conversation of the Higbees, Goddards, yeah. you know, uh, Dan Arnold with no touchdowns, and then Hunter Henry mm-hmm. with touchdowns but no yards. Like he's in that conversation. Well, first of all, here's here's a good thing. Here's good news for T.J. Hawkinson managers is like, okay, Pittsburgh, congratulations, you just shut out T.J. Hawkinson. What did it get you? A tie. You're the only team in the league that's <laughs> tied with the Lions. They've lost every other game. You let DeAndre Swift run 33 times for 130 yards. It may not be a couple of big look runs at, for the other guys too. Going into the bye, like Hawkinson was getting double digit targets, was getting a bunch of catches, and they were still losing. And that's probably what needs, you know, defenses. I don't think they should be focused on a tight end like TJ Hawkinson beat you underneath over and over again, being the way that is going to, to hurt you against the Lions. So maybe they'll revert back because that wasn't a win in my mind for the Steelers defense. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. They got run all over, right? By yeah, Swift so I, I, by I would, I think you go Jamar back Jefferson to the, with the big run and Ogubike with the big run. Like they did not look good against the run. That is, uh, that is absolutely true. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, we know, missed this game because of COVID. It was something that came up on Saturday. Week 11, already in doubt. Can you play the Air Fryer Funston in Week 11 if it's Mason Rudolph and not Ben Roethlisberger? I was just looking at who they're playing. They're playing the Chargers. Um, I don't care who they're playing. Yeah, I know. I just was curious. Um, yeah, I mean. No, because the biggest thing is they immediately gave Ebron 17 routes to Fryer Moose 33 in his first action back. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. It's stupid. But, you know, 33. 35 routes for any tight end? Yeah. Well, what did Deontay Johnson end up with as well? I mean, there's more questions about than than just... 48 routes. And like 7 for 80-something. Okay. He had the fumble. 12 targets. Late, but yeah, but I mean... Deontay does his thing regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah. If it's Mason, no. That's what I'm saying, Mason, no. Roethlisberger yeah. still, because he's still, Fryermuth's still in the, you know, Dawson Knox had a miserable week, but he's mm-hmm. in that, that, those are the same conversation right. fringe tight Fryermuth, nine targets, five catches, 31 yards. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, rank, I'm not ranking him top 10, <laughs> but I'm probably still ranking him top 15. Dalton, hey, you here, here you go, Fuston. Dalton Schultz against Kansas City or Fryermuth with Mason Rudolph against the Chargers? Yeah, I'll go with Schultz. See, and there you go. Yeah, I think we all would. Are you guys big air fryer guys by any chance? Oh, no, you're just. We, do we you're have to have this conversation again? <laughs> it's just a joke. Just... <laughs> it's just a joke to end the show. <laughs> awesome show, you guys. Love it. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It was very fun wrapping up week 10 with you, and we'll be looking ahead to week 11 the rest of the week. For Jake, for Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Thank you.